Hi everybody, welcome to FNS Wrestling Podcast. I am your host back in the basement on a Monday night with my co-host and teenage son Jackson. Say hello, Jack. Hi. Why are we in the basement on a Monday night? I forget. What are we doing here? Cleaning the kitty litter. Cleaning out the kitty litter. That is not in the studio, thankfully. That is outside (laughs) the studio. No, we are back to talk about a pay-per-view that we watched last night that was called NXT, I almost said TakeOver, it is not. Uh, NXT War Games 2021. It, it feels right to say TakeOver, but then you can't. No. So we have sort of stopped, well, Jack has definitely stopped watching NXT 2.0, the weekly show. I refuse to watch it. They don't, I can't, they just ruined uh, it. I'm still watching it and sort of quick reviewing it on Saturday. If you are new to the podcast, welcome. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. We do a Saturday flagship show where we talk about, well, we used to talk about NXT, we still do, just more quickly. AEW Dynamite, Impact Wrestling, what else? Trivia, news, all kinds of other stuff. Wrestling figures, and yeah. anything else we feel like talking about. We're up to, what, episode 73 is coming up this week, so if you haven't checked that out, please feel free. If you'd like to contact us, it's fnswrestling at gmail.com, fns underscore wrestling underscore podcast on Instagram, or leave a comment in YouTube. I promise one or both of us will get back to you, regardless if your comment is negative or positive, I always reply. So, do we want to get right into t- anything you want to talk about? It's been a whole two days since we were down here. Oh, yeah. A lot of time. Uh, School's back to a normal timetable. How'd you like that day one today? Instead of two and a half hour classes, you had an hour and a quarter. Uh, I'm good. But all fo- or four of them in one day instead of two at a time. So, yeah, you'll get used that, to that's it. that's not great because now I have gym every week. You Every day. Or every week. Every day of every week. Well, I already had it every day, but it was only every other week. Well, that's not every day. Every day. Now it's every day of every week. But anyways, yes, so you're loving it. You're going to love it. It's the best. It is. Yes, I love it so much. It is better to have the time. You'll get used to it. You'll see. But anyways, I guess we could just get right into talking about some takeover. Sound good? Ooh, called it takeover. Uh, Not takeover. I hate you. You It is not takeover. But whatever it is, let's get into talking about it now. So the TakeOver name has been dropped since WWE relaunched NXT as NXT 2.0 back in September, right? And now it is simply called... AKA Crap Fest 2021. An NXT pay-per-view event. However, the format seems to have remained the same, right? We're still getting just five advertised matches. Um, Like, TakeOvers have almost all of them. There was a couple exceptions, I think, but generally five matches. Yeah, it's usually on the lower side compared to most main roster cards. Right. So this show starts with a video package quickly summarizing pretty much every story leading into each match tonight with obviously a soundtrack behind it and sound bites from all of the storylines included. And I thought this was a really, I mean, WWE still knows how to produce videos, right? Like that hasn't changed with the new talent in WWE. So I thought this was another well done highlight package. Yeah, it was fine. And then we cut to the arena. Any thoughts on the arena? You're the set guy, detail man. Any thoughts? I find it stupid how they still went here in the the little spot despite it being two rings the cwc yeah i just don't i don't think it works i think like the pay-per-views are their one chance to like they're not going to to gross tickets for nxt right like for uh pay-per-views and whatnot and they didn't they sure did i just think it looks very like it doesn't look low budget because like it's so bright and like so many lights or whatever but at the same time it just looks so bad 
It's small for sure, it's right? It's just too small, yeah. yeah it, so just, we, it doesn't have a big fight feel, so to speak. We cut to the arena. Commentary team are sort of standing beside the ring, and Vic Joseph reminds us that this is Beth Phoenix's final night on commentary for NXT. I don't know if she said what she's moving on to, but I don't think she's leaving the company, right? Have you heard? Uh, No, she's not. I don't think she's so. She's just switching I roles or doing like something else. something on main roster. Coming back into action? Who knows? Uh, but anyways, there's a little bit more banter between the three, and then they throw to the ring announcer. I forget the name. Do you remember the ring announcer's name? Uh Oh, I couldn't Elise remember her Taylor. name. Taylor. Wow. Oh, I'm so sad that go. I know that. So she runs down the rules of War Games. Would you like to run those down for anyone that doesn't know quickly while I uh, have a sip of protein first shake? First two people start uh, with the... And then there's a five-minute time limit, and then the team with the advantage sends someone in, and then everyone enters. The teams alternate um, entries over the over three-minute periods, and then once, right. once everyone's in, the match actually starts, and I am surprised I remember all that. And it's one fall to a finish once everybody is in there, right? Yes. And in this case, the babyface team had the advantage. Yeah. Which is it usually... Was, it was odd. It, it is odd. Because it's of, always... The the route they go is always heels advantage, babyface win. Right. So the, the heels are constantly getting the numbers advantage and they can do heel Literally stuff. The only time I remember the heels winning was the women's war games last year. Right. And uh, the first war games. Yep. So the first... Uh, one thing I did notice, um, so the women's war game match is going to start the show, and the constant siren blaring behind oh, it was, was really annoying. It was great in the men's, too, because they had the siren blaring, and then they played Braun Breaker's theme, which starts with a different siren. Yeah, your brother, who wasn't really paying attention, was like, what's with the sirens, right? Like, it was just a constant blaring war siren game. in the background. Uh, but anyway, so it is the NXT women's war game match to start. So on the babyface team, we have Io Shirai, Cora Jade, Raquel Gonzalez, and Kaylee Ray taking on Toxic Attraction, which is Mandy Rose and JC Jane and Gigi Dolan. And they have partnered up with Dakota Kai Poor for this. Dakota Kai. Mm-hmm. So Kaylee Ray comes to the ring with a bat, as everybody's sort of been introduced here. She slides it into the cage, and she will enter the cage first for the babyface team, which makes sense for me. Putting a veteran in there, right, seems to be they're going to be in there the longest, so I'm not surprised it wasn't one of the youngsters in first youngsters and then toxic attraction make their entrance and it, ju- it just struck me like they look like they're really just trying way too hard at this point it they look like idiots kind of bothered me not so much mandy rose but i feel like the other two are no, trying I think really, mandy rose looks stupid too. really really hard so dakota kai makes her entrance she enters the cage with four kendo sticks um that she got from under the ring so we're getting the two veterans that actually just faced off right for the ladder match for the advantage for this on the right. past which was a really good match on NXT uh, 2.0 this past week. So they're sort of getting in the ring first to face off. I thought that was a smart move to start with two veterans, one from each side who are very good wrestlers to start this match. So right away we get a bat to the stomach by Kaylee Ray, but then sort of the, the weapons are just gone for a little bit, and it starts off more like a traditional match, which in hindsight probably makes sense because there were a ton of weapons and things involved in this match, right? So... Mm-hmm. I guess these two don't really need to hide behind weapons so they could actually wrestle for a little right. bit. For so, five minutes. So Kaylee Ray is in control with some chops and a DDT. Dakota Kai slings Kaylee Ray into the cage wall twice to take control before getting the kendo sticks back. She sort of spans them across the ropes between the rings because there are two rings w- inside the cage, right? So there's a little gap between the rings. She sets up the kendo sticks, spanning the ropes there. Um, she hits Kaylee Ray across the back with one of the kendo sticks. Dakota Kai picks up the baseball bat, but Kaylee Ray comes off the ropes with a senton before hitting Kai with a kendo stick. Kaylee Ray then front suplexes Kai across the kendo sticks that were stretched across the ropes as the timer goes off. 
I thought it looked pretty cool, actually. And Cora Jade was a bit of a surprise for me because she's the next entrance for the baby faces. And she's bringing, of course, her skateboard with her, right? Mm-hmm. So she uses... Which she can ride very well. Very, very well. She can almost do like a full push on it coming down to the ring mm-hmm. sometimes. So Cora Jade uses the skateboard right away to hit Dakota Kai, adds an inseguri and a high knee. As Beth tells us that Jade is the youngest War Games competitor ever at age 20. Uh, Kaylee Ray and Jade waste some time walking around, I thought, at this part. There's kind of, you have the two-on-one advantage here and you're kind of not using it, which I guess is one of the reasons it's not great for the baby faces, right? They're right. a little more reluctant to just take that advantage. It didn't really make yeah. sense to me. But anyways, uh, they actually do then start to double-team Dakota Kai a little bit. We get a double suplex to Kai, then another, but Kai counters a third attempt into a DDT to both of her opponents as the crowd is chanting, we want Gigi. Did you notice that? Yeah, that's weird. They were really into her for a bit here. This crowd's, it's either they think she's hot or this crowd is rigged. So that could be true. We think there may be plants in that crowd for sure. So they get what they want. Gigi Dolan does enter next, but not before grabbing a garbage can and a duffel bag. I don't even remember if we, what was in the duffel bag? I honestly don't remember. That's a good question. Right? I would also remember if I cared. I vividly mem- remember her bringing it in the ring, but I'm not sure no, what came out right. of it. No, you're right. There was a... Yeah. What? Anyways, maybe it'll hit... We'll remember. Any anyway, Dolan and uh, Dakota Kai take control, including a German suplex by Gigi Dolan. We get stereo running boots to the baby faces in the corners, then another one. Jade and Kaylee Ray fight back. Jade puts a trash can over Dolan's head and hits a basement dropkick. And Kaylee Ray hits a KLR bomb to Dakota Kai on the garbage can, which really wasn't denting very well. I don't know if these women aren't heavy enough or not enough impact or if they got some stiffer garbage cans than usual, but they were tougher to dent, it felt like, or the, at this I point. I think they just don't know what they're doing. Could be. Wow, you don't know how to fall on a garbage can? It's not that or hard. Or, like, kick it hard enough. I or like I don't know. They just... Eh. So Io Shirai enters next. She grabs two chairs from under the ring. There was this recurring theme of people grabbing weapons under the ring and bringing them in as well as another trash can and a trash can lid. So Io takes a pump kick from Dakota Kai right away, gets thrown into the cage twice to follow up as the heels are now in control again. Gigi takes a can shot, um, garbage can shot to the arms, but sells her head, right? It was supposed to be a head shot, but she clearly got her arms out in front of it right. and it came nowhere yeah. near hitting her, which is fine. I got no problem with working no, safe, but, but... like, make it look good. It looked a little silly because she's then trying to sell that her head is sore, but anyways... We get a really awkward-looking Hurricane Rana by Cora Jade to Dakota, Tai Dakota Kai between the two rings. I just don't think there was enough room maybe to execute it properly. It looked a little bit off. JC Jane then enters next. She grabs a table on the way in. A little bit of a struggle getting it in, but nothing major, I guess. Kaylee Ray catches a garbage can but gets pump-kicked into two chairs that were kind of set up in the corner. JC Jane accidentally kicks Dolan as she tries to mimic EO. And then the baby faces take over here for a bit. We get running double knees with the trash can lead lid by Io. And then a handstand right in the ropes into two knees into the lid and a 619. I thought it was a nice quick sequence by Tiger Io. Fin kick. Right. Uh, JC Jane is stretched out on a table. Jade climbs up to the top of the cage, not just the ropes, up on top of the cage and hits a really dangerous looking senton to JC Jane through the table. I actually gasped out loud she, because like, it was a bit short, right? And kind of sideways rotated and like it was just not very good. It looked like it would have actually hurt JC Jane, to be honest, because she took a lot of hips to the to the stomach there. But anyways, it was cool. Medical staff then want to check on Cora Jade, but Io won't let them and she pops it, the idea is that she has like dislocated her shoulder, Cora Jade that is, and Io is sort of popping it back in so that she can continue the match. 
Gonzalez then makes her entrance. She brings more garbage cans and chairs and, of course, a shovel because that's what was used to attack her, Dakota Kai, so it's her revenge tour, I guess. Uh, the heels then try to hold the door closed so Gonzalez can't get in. So, of course, she I predicted it as soon as she reached under the ring, I said, fire extinguisher time, and it is. She discharges the fire extinguisher to chase the heels away from the door so that she can get into the cage. Gonzalez puts Kai in a garbage can, swings her around, and just sort of releases her, which was interesting because... I know Dakota Kai is a small woman, but I still didn't think she would fit completely inside the Me garbage neither. can. Right? But she did. Eo then climbs up top with a garbage can. Dakota Kai follows her. Everyone, as I put it, gets organized on the side of the cage so that Gonzalez can come over and hit a Tower of Doom to all of them. Eo then hits a moonsault to Kai in the garbage can still. Mandy Rose enters, takes a chair to Gonzalez right away before targeting Jade's injured arm, but Eo comes to make the save. The faces then grab the kendo sticks and sort of stand in between the heels and Cora Jade, who's still selling the shoulder injury. And then in a weird little moment, right, Kaylee Ray kind of walks over, teases like she's going to attack Cora Jade with... Which um, I would be okay with. ...with the kendo sticks, but I don't know... I guess maybe they're going to do something with that going forward, but that like was... like the whole smash room thing or something? Uh, maybe. Like, I don't know what it was. supposed to be like crazy. Maybe. But there was no other reference to it after that, so... Um, she kind of teases attacking Jade, but takes out Dakota Kai instead. JC Jane hits a spine buster to Eo onto a chair that looked pretty good. Gonzalez sets up to powerbomb Gigi Dolan and JC Jane, but Mandy Rose attacks with a kendo stick. We get running double knees with a chair to Gonzalez by Jane that I thought looked really good as well. And then Jade is left standing, and she fights all the heels off briefly with a kendo stick, but ends up taking the running knee from Mandy Rose for two. Gonzalez then power bombs uh, JC Jane, but Gigi Dolan and Gonzalez boot each other and both are down. And then kinda out of nowhere, uh, Cora Jade just rolls up JC Jane for the win in just over 31 minutes. Right? What did you think of this match? Yeah, I thought the finish was a little odd. Not the strongest finish, I thought for sure. Um, I didn't think it was great, but I thought it was good. Over delivered on my low expectations. Yep. There are definitely a fair share of botches and weird moves, but. It had the potential to be far worse, so at least it wasn't. Uh, the whole Cora Jade thing would be my biggest complaint, as it was weird and stupid because the finish didn't really make sense. Like she did that that cage dive and then was like did nothing for the whole match and then but got a weak ass pin. Her story's kind of been rolling people up right and sneaking wins over people, so I think it's just even that know, on I a think that bigger was stage. Stupid. I think that's the the point though. I don't know yeah, if it's I good. I just enough. don't think that helps her. I, I, don't know, I thought that was kind of dumb. I don't love how. Basically, everyone except Mandy Rose, I think, had to grab weapons before they entered. Because there's always weapons that fell overdone here, probably just to hide the lack of talent 100%. here. I think so. Um, overall, a fun enough opener, though, thankfully not a dumpster fire. Yeah, I um, over-delivered for me as well. I thought it was pretty fun to watch for the most part. A couple of moves weren't perfect. And yes, there definitely was a lot of people bringing in weapons and things. But the, again, I think that's you've got a lot of inexperienced women in this match. So you're sort of trying to hide that fact a little bit i thought the youngsters did pretty well here eo had some really nice sequences as expected because she's fantastic the finish definitely came out of nowhere and caught me by surprise i do think that this could have had a better ending for sure but it seems like um people that somebody that matters is pretty high on cora jade right she's getting some attention here for whatever reason unfortunately yes Everybody involved here clearly worked really hard, and it wasn't a classic War Games match for sure. I think it was solid at Leech, considering the inexperience of several of the people involved. A solid start to the show. They probably could have shaved a couple minutes off of this. 
I don't know if it needed to be over half an hour. I mean, I know it has to be fairly long because it's five-minute intervals, but still, I would have preferred a stronger finish, but I thought the match was pretty good overall, and I had some pretty low expectations, and at, at some Me point, too. we were talking about it was almost seemingly in, irresponsible to put some of these rookies into this type of match, but everybody right. seemed to survive, and it was pretty... It was okay. It over-delivered for sure. So I thought it was a, a good opener. We then um, get a WrestleMania ticket commercial that comes up again later. Then a Tiffany Stratton vignette. And it's the exact same video from the episode this week. And that would be a recurring theme of this show as well. Yeah. Because we then get the replay of one of the worst segments, right? The back and forth segment with Briggs and Jensen. Ugh. That was weeks ago where it was just manly men talking about how tough they are and cooking steaks and stuff. Um, I thought it was awful then and just as bad the second time. Then we get a BOA segment that's a repeat from the Weekly Show 2. I guess they think that there's new viewers here or something that they need to get caught up because it was just full of not new promos, just repeats from either the previous week or weeks ago. We then get videos about the tag team MSK searching for the Shaman. This has been going on for, I think, four or five weeks now. And they let us know that we're going to find out who the shaman is if anyone actually cares. I know I certainly don't because these vignettes have been awful. Yep. But we're going to find out who the shaman is on Tuesday. Any guesses? Rob Van Dam? Is that what we're <laughs> Matt saying? Riddle. Shawn Michaels? Uh, Jeff Hardy? Who knows? Because <laughs> it's all drug related. Is that <laughs> yes. why you're picking them? Yes. Um, so we then get a team black and gold with Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny uh, Gargano. Just, that makes me just, no. Uh, Pete Dunne and Ellie Knight, they're all kind of talking backstage. Gargano says that this is his first and maybe his last War Games match because his maybe. contract huh. is about to expire, and I would imagine he would be looking to go anywhere else but NXT. Knight talks about how their team has the experience edge, obviously. Champa then tells Gargano tonight isn't just our moment, it is Johnny's moment as the segment ends, so everyone's being nice to Johnny Gargano. I think WWE saying, please, please sign back here. Apparently, O'Reilly's been offered a contract as well, but anyways. Yeah, I don't think they're coming back. We then get a match for the NXT Tag Team Championships. It's Imperium, which is Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner versus Kyle O'Reilly and his mentor, Von Wagner. <laughs> never never ceases to make me laugh to say that. And the I did notice that the babyface team obviously enters the Von Wagner's theme because yeah, he that is pissed, the mentor. Yeah, that pissed me off because now they have a tag tron, which is just Von Wagner's logo in the middle and then Kyle O'Reilly's right. logo on either side, and they use Von Wagner's crappy-ass theme. Again, I don't know why Von Wagner in kayfabe would want to be Kyle O'Reilly's teammate because um, Kyle O'Reilly in in this current car incarnation can't do anything other than well, get I beaten. guess we'll uh, elaborate on that later. We will. So Imperium, I noticed, are extra oily for the pay-per-view. I guess they got <laughs> that oil budget is a little bit higher for the pay-per-views. Makes the, sense, getting right? Getting the pay-per-view payday. That's it. Um, so Bartel dominates Kyle O'Reilly early with arm work, obviously, because O'Reilly is not allowed to get the advantage on anyone anymore. Eichner tags in and That's continues, not how work here, okay? continues the targeting of the arm. Wagner, of course, tags in and takes over as usual, hits a back suplex to Eichner. O'Reilly comes back in and obviously loses the advantage as expected. I'm and glad they're trying new things. Bartel hits a nice butterfly suplex. O'Reilly tags out, and guess what? Wagner takes control. And this is where in my notes, seriously, why does he tag with O'Reilly when O'Reilly is virtually useless at this point, I mean, right? he shouldn't be, and he wasn't before. No, of course not. He's he, fantastic. He, he wasn't before, but This no. is how they're presenting him now. Right, they gotta make everything stupid. 
Eichner catches Wagner on his shoulders and squats with him before hitting a roll roll through slam. Fabian Eichner's fantastic. I think we can agree. Yeah, I like him. He's pretty underrated. Not he is definitely underrated. Um, O'Reilly tags in and actually gets to hit some offense here. It's a Christmas miracle. Eichner takes a shortcut, knees Kyle O'Reilly off the apron, and the heels take over again. O'Reilly eventually takes out Imperium, tags in Wagner so he can dominate some more. And I just, my notes have a little, this formula is so boring. I would just like to say, I hate that one of Wagner's and Wagner and O'Reilly's tag moves is that, like, they got the guy cornered, and then Wagner will headbutt him, and then O'Reilly will do a kick. Because not only are headbutts the lamest thing you could do in that situation, but then O'Reilly's just kind of waiting for, because Wagner not only has to do his dumb headbutt, but he has to, like, grab him, then cock his head back, and then headbutt him. Right. It's, just a, it's not even a tag move, it's just they're alternating hitting a little strike they are it's not the best uh power slam and a gut wrench suplex by von wagner o'reilly hits a running knee to eichner on the floor wagner hits an angle slam to bartell back in the ring for two bartell starts to hit some offense on wagner and imperium hit their double drop kick they get him hanging upside down in the ropes in the corner right and they do one's kicking from the outside and one's kicking from the inside so they did that that. spot yeah it's cool O'Reilly tags in, hits a top rope knee drop to Bartel's leg. What? He's allowed to do things like that? What's going on? Must, uh, just for the pay-per-view, I guess. I so. Yeah. He then applies it. a heel hook, but Fabian Eichner hits a moonsault, like his sort of um, where he springboards onto the top and moonsaults onto O'Reilly to break up the hold, which looked cool. Yeah, it was like um, uh, Dante Martin's uh, right. moonsault. We get a guillotine countered into a suplex, countered into a roll-up by Kyle O'Reilly, and then O'Reilly and Eichner are down, and the fresh men eventually tag in. We get a high-low by the baby faces, but the ref is making... Which uh, is offensive. The ref is late making the count, and Bartel ends up kicking out. Wagner then gets low-bridged on another high-low attempt. Eichner hits a huge crossbody to Wagner on the floor, like really big. The crossbodies are not that he impressive. He almost hit his head off but of it the good. floor. Uh, yeah, he did. Brainbuster to Eichner by Kyle O'Reilly. That's about the most vicious move he's hit in like a month, probably. And I'm not, I don't even know if I'm joking. I'm, tr- I'm kind of being sarcastic, but am I? Actually, hit a brainbuster. It looked good. Then I think it was a triangle choke, choke sorry, that Eichner counters by picking O'Reilly up, carrying him over to the heel corner, kind of overhead, and making the tag. And they hit their Imperium bomb and pin Kyle O'Reilly in about 15 minutes. After the match, the fans are chanting, thank you, Kyle, because they assume he's probably on his way out too. Wagner, there's a quick little turn here, tries to attack O'Reilly, but O'Reilly was ready and he takes Wagner out instead. Interesting. What what did you think of this? Uh, That makes me laugh still. That's funny. Why? What makes you laugh? Because Wagner's such a freaking loser. Can't even do a turn right. You are angry tonight, eh? He can't even do a freaking heel turn right. Um, I thought this match was pretty good, though. It excelled even more when Wagner was involved, but even then, this was his best effort. Uh, that's not saying much, but still. I thought Eichner was the match MVP. He's awesome. For sure. There were some, like, he's he's always been good, and I always like him, but, like, this is one of the times where I was like, oh, yeah, he's really good. Um, there were some moments where he just decided to do something crazy. I thought the way they set the European bomb finisher was pretty cool. It was. Just him um, picking him up off the ground and carrying him over right. was cool. Um, the match was good because surprisingly they mostly stayed away from that patented formula, but they couldn't resist it even a little. Oh, they did it for the first. Uh, bit. The aftermath made me very happy because O'Reilly's on his way out, so Imperium had to win, and Wagner predictably tried to turn O'Reilly. But then the funny part came because O'Reilly ducked his shot and then basically quickly kicked his ass and then did the Yui hand sign 
to, like as like another socket to Wagner. It was great because Wagner's such a freaking loser. He couldn't even get a successful turn on his tag partner. Wow. And so much for them building this team. What they're doing all this like working together. They had like that log segment and like the log segment. Yeah. Forced forcing chemistry between these two, even though like they're just gonna break it off. I guess it's now time for Riley to move on to better things. He has to go to AEW. He can reform Red Dragon, be a serious single star for once, maybe even re- reform on Speed Era. Like he's he's got no short no shortage of options. Right. Um. Either way, he's going to do something better and leave Wagner in the dust. Uh. But this was a pretty good, enjoyable match. It's surprising how good matches, uh, can be when you let good talent do good stuff for like a decent amount of time when you give them the time to do it. Yeah, I'm wondering if Wagner's it. story is going to be exactly what I'm saying. Like Kyle O'Reilly sucks, and he ke- he got pinned here too, right? That makes yeah, but it makes sense storyline for him to say like this guy's contributed very little to any but of then, their tag matches. He, it, he, O'Reilly was the one hesitant to do this. Wagner was the one who kept helping him. I know, but it didn't work out. It doesn't. Because Kyle O'Reilly never does anything to anyone. He just gets beat up and Wagner's got to save him constantly. Uh, wait, but so if O'Reilly's the one who keeps getting beat up and then he just beat up Wagner. Yes. Then what does that say about Wagner? Why well, it says that Wagner's going to absolutely crush him when they have a match before O'Reilly leaves. Yeah. Uh, he's gonna I'm, put, I'm okay he's with gonna that. He's going to put Wagner over on the way out the door. O'Reilly's leaving, so I'm happy, and Wagner got to look like a loser here, so I'm okay with that. So I was really annoyed by the almost the first half of this match because it was following that formula from TV where O'Reilly takes a beating and Wagner has to save him. Then they got away from that formula. They let Kyle work a little bit, and I actually really enjoyed the rest of this match. Imperium are just, I think, an excellent technical tag team, which means they'll never be used correctly. They'll probably go to main roster and disappear, which is too bad. Uh, I wouldn't hate them like somewhere else. Like, I mean, I don't. They just don't seem that interesting, but like they have good matches. And Bartel is such a hateable guy, right? Like he could be such oh, a strong I, heel. I remember the first time we saw him on that house, In show, a house show. They freaking hated him. I think him. that was like one of maybe his first ever appearances because I had I'd never no heard idea who he was. Right? I thought he was like new. I remember like he was just. He's very hateable. Buys like from the beginning. Yep. Um, Eichner was really impressive here. His combination of power and high flying is just really unique and impressive, to be honest. Uh, Wagner held his own, actually, for the most part here, but he didn't do anything super special. And I'm guessing this is a heel turn, I guess. I, I don't know. We'll find out, I, I mean, guess. he does have a punchable face. I thought this turned out to be a pretty strong tag team match, and I say bring on Red, Drag- Red Dragon in AEW. At least that's what I hope to see. Yeah, that's that's like the bare minimum we have to get. I think ha- Red Dragon's just going to be awesome. Uh, we then get another repeat segment segment from NXT TV. This time it was the Jiro Jacket segment where he talks about being... Style uh, strong. Style strong, that's right. And lots of loud jackets. Then we get a Legato video summarizing all of their recent exploits. I'm almost positive that's not new either. Uh, Santos Escobar and Legato del Fantasma talk to Mackenzie Mitchell. Escobar sort of says some not-so-nice things about Zion Quinn, who he's going to face on NXT TV next week. And Elector Lopez tells Mackenzie that what she does in her own time is none of Mackenzie's business because she's sort of like still kind of flirting, I guess, with she Zion says, Quinn. I'm a grown-ass woman. What I do in my free time is none of your business. I'm like, you're not acting like a grown-ass woman. That is true. Um, we then get a summary of the Cameron Grimes, Duke Hudson. That ha- I thought the summary of this storyline was far too long. It's basically the whole poker showdown, and now it's led to a hair-versus-hair match in a story that I thought, like, Kind of worked backwards and skipped some steps, but this is where we are. So it's Cameron Grimes taking on Duke Hudson in a hair versus hair match. Hudson starts out strong with corner attacks and stomps. Grimes gets slung over the corner onto the ring steps, 
really early in this. And then Grimes hits a flipping senton to Hudson on the floor shortly after. We get a Uranagi by Hudson, and he catches Grimes trying a corner attack. Moonsault uh, to a standing Duke Hudson for two. Stiff kicks by Grimes, and Hudson escapes to the floor. Catches Grimes with a back body drop when Grimes follows him out to the floor. Things slow down for a little bit in the middle here as Hudson's in control and just kind of doing really basic stuff for a little bit. They show us there's a barber's chair set up in the other ring right in the middle. We get a backbreaker by Hudson, but Grimes counters the second one into a head scissors takedown. Insiguri by Grimes and his moonsault crossbody thing that's always pretty cool for a two count. Grimes then counters a Hudson power move into a DDT. He hits a punt from the apron to Hudson. Hudson then tries to cheat on a pinfall. I think he grabbed the ropes or something, but he gets caught by the referee. We get kicks and a really nice poison rana by Grimes. Top rope crossbody by Grimes. A boss man slam by Duke Hudson a little later for a near fall. Which, remember in the tournament, that was his finisher. Or <laughs> amazing finisher. <laughs> uh, then Hudson is basically setting up for a razor's edge, and it's countered into a hurricane rana that sends Hudson into the turnbuckles. And Grimes rolls up Hudson for the win. Another roll-up on a pay-per-view. Second one. Oh, this, yeah, I love it. This match was about 10 minutes. So Hudson tries to fight his way out of the haircut, obviously, but Grimes hits the cave-in because, God forbid, he win the match with his finisher, <laughs> but he can guarantee the haircut with his finisher, right. I guess. He puts Hudson in the chair and clips some of Hudson's hair and he, not... He, I think he got most of it. And the pro- I find the thing that that's weird is, like, I'm pretty sure, like, 90% of the time, the person doing it shaves off a bit of the hair because they don't know what they're doing. And that's not shaving and, it. That's just clipping it short. There's and then... Like a, it's like a one or a two. And then that person will... And then Hudson will show up on TV with his hair, like... Right. With his head bald because, like, they got to do it right. So, like, I don't see why you can't just, like, have the, the winner shave off a lot of it if they do it wrong. Then you clean it up and shave the rest after. Right. I think like, you should leave it looking dumb, like half-shaving. And they have to go fix it later. You know? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, Grimes runs to the back as Hudson is in the ring upset. What were your thoughts on this match? Uh, it was okay. Nothing that interesting and a predictable result. I got it right. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think I've gotten much right on this one um, so far. Only match thus far that's felt out of place on the pay-per-view. I almost had takeover there. Uh, that's just <laughs> so great. Uh, and th- it wasn't like great and it wasn't like terrible, but it was just kind of there and not that interesting. Right. I thought it was okay. Definitely, I agree with you. Not really worthy of a pay-per-view. It didn't feel like it felt like it could easily be on a television show, like not even the main event of a TV show, probably. Right. Uh, when Grimes was in control, things can get pretty interesting. He's awesome. He can wrestle. He can move quickly. Hudson was much less impressive. I found myself bored in the middle of this when he was kind of in control. The match was fairly short, like 10 minutes on a pay-per-view is not very long. And it was likely just to allow some time for the aftermath, which wasn't very entertaining either, I didn't think. So I really hope that Cameron Grimes moves on to something else. And I mean, if I really, really got to make a wish for Cameron Grimes, it's that his contract is expiring shortly <laughs> and he could go somewhere right. else. But um, so, yeah, I thought this match was just kind of there, right? Like to fill out the card. It wasn't yep. very exciting, I didn't think. No. We then get... A repeat of a segment, hard to believe. It's one of the horrible grizzled young veteran segments that's managed to take them like from the like first horrible one. an interesting, fun tag team into just ridiculous. Oh yeah, it was them. Did they steal a wallet and ordered a bunch of food or something? Yes, that one. Like basically, and like they have like a plan on the whiteboard, like freaking Home Alone. Like Home Alone, right? 
Um, yeah, so then we get uh, a summary of an NXT TV segment. That's weird. It's Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter segment from weeks ago. It, they it, love it, it going, is new, right? They love going to concerts and having fun. Right. The same as they did weeks ago. Uh, we then get, I forgot to mention when I quickly recapped my uh, NXT this week, because I was just kind of going off the top of my head, sort of. Ah. There was another um, debut, is Draco Anthony video. So they play that again, and it is exactly the same that was on TV this week. It's just ridiculous the number of repeat segments here. They couldn't bother to put anything new together. I, they're just sort of hoping there's new people watching that need this information. Then they tell us that NXT New Year's Evil, um, there's a promo video for that. And then Team 2.0 are backstage getting ready for their match. And we get a recap then of the Joe Gacy, Roderick Strong, and Diamond Mine storyline that sort of led to the match that's coming up here. And that is the next match. It's the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Despite one of the competitors not being a cruiserweight, Roderick Strong has waived that weight restriction for this Cause, match. Because there's no GM. Right. They all just make their own matches and stipulations at this point because William Regal is MIA in the trunk I'm of a car, maybe. I'm pretty sure he's dead. So Roderick Strong is the champion. He will be defending against Joe Gacy, who has Harland with him, and Roderick has all of Diamond Mine there with him as well. So Strong takes down Gacy early as Gacy is sort of trying to talk his way out of things and at one point looking for a hug near the beginning of this. A backbreaker by Strong, then another one. Shoulder tacker on the clothesline to the back of Strong's head by Gacy. We get some hard chops by Roddy, which he's famous for. And then he rips off Gacy's shirt. Gacy hits a boot um, boot on the spring. What do you think I meant there? Uh, boot on the apron, probably. Yeah. That's, in, that's what my notes say, boot on the spring. I think it was boot on the apron to stop Strong's momentum. We get clothesline and forearms by Gacy before he hits a backbreaker of his own. How dare he? He's wrestling the messiah of the backbreaker. You cannot I know. Do I was like, he did a backbreaker. I was like, oh. Can't do that. Exactly. Ver vertical suplex by Gacy. High knee in the corner by Roddy. And he puts Gacy up top and hits a superplex. A gut buster by Strong. And then he puts Gacy in the stronghold, which is what he calls his... Um, Boston, Boston crab. crab. But Gacy escapes, applies a cross face, and Roddy has to get to the ropes to get that hold broken. Strong clotheslines, uh, gets clothesline over the top. Gacy follows with a dive onto Diamond Mind out Diamond Mine out on the floor. Gacy's face to face with Ivy Nile for a second. Harlan kind of comes up from behind and just picks her up. But Gacy, you can see, is telling Harlan to put her down, so he does. He's inclusive. We get a really big power bomb by Joe Gacy for a two count. And then just kind of quickly, Roddy hits his jumping knee and his very sweet end of heartache that I always enjoy. And he picks up the win. I did not get the time on this. It did not feel super lengthy. But Roderick Strong retains the title. I picked that one wrong, too. I'm almost positive. I just assumed every new person was winning everything. That's the that's what I went with. What'd you think of this match? Um, I thought it was okay, and even though this one had the title on the line, uh, I still didn't think it felt peer review worthy. The action was solid, but there, it just wasn't very interesting, and there and there just didn't feel like a lot of stakes despite the cruiserweight title right. being on the line. I'm glad strong one though, but I expect a better. Yeah, I thought I used this similar word to you: solid. A solid match, nothing special second match for me in a row that doesn't feel like it needed to be on a pay-per-view just kind of like a tv match kind of thing i like roderick strong quite a bit but i'm i personally think gacy should have won here and then they get rid of the cruiserweight title and call it something else the whatever they want the inclusivity title the, oh, that would be stupid whatever i don't know just change it if cruiserweight title's dumb and there's nobody that's really there's there's nobody in the division like who's in the division and i don't just mean because they're small 
I mean, because they're actually in the division. Nobody. Kushida, they don't talk. They're a tag team. They're not in the Um, cruiserweight division anymore. Okay. Um, Nobody. The answer is nobody. I think. Hold on. Um, Waller was. He's not really treated that way anymore. Um, The answer is nobody. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, I expected more involvement from all of the people on the outside. They really didn't do it too much. Wait, wait. I know someone in the division. Odyssey Jones. Right. He was briefly, yeah, (laughs) despite being 406 pounds or whatever. I was expecting Harlan to do something because he still hasn't done anything of note yet and he's on TV like every week so far. So other than sort of picking up Ivy Nile, he was not involved here at all. So a lot of people at ringside, but nobody really did anything. Um, But I will say that Joe Gacy's character of all of the new NXT 2.0 people, I'm interested in his story. He's, He's the one that I think has been kind of interesting so far. It's a unique character and I think he's doing a good job with it. It kind of reminds me of back when I was way, way back watching NXT and I was really early on board with the Bray Wyatt character that I really like, not the one that became the Fiend and all that nonsense. No, Fiend is good. I did not enjoy that, but when he was doing his um, early Wyatt family stuff, it was really cool. So then this scene, uh, I don't know what to tell you, man. Ikemenjiro orders a bunch of food, right? And he eats it all, like a ridiculous amount of food. And then he has to go to the washroom. It was like he was a bastion booger. And the camera goes into the stall and we get all kinds of disgusting bathroom sounds as we're in the stall with Jiro sitting on the toilet. (laughs) And he talks about regretting eating the second slice of pizza. And that's all this was. And it never was anything else. And it was like beyond juvenile and stupid to me. Like, so you're the young person they're appealing to. Did you love this? Yes. Right? toilet humor awesome on a pay-per-view ridiculous anyways kyle o'reilly talks to mckenzie backstage she asks about the aftermath of the match i assume the attempted attack of von wagner kyle says that he saw the turn coming a mile away he's used to being in war games matches and he wants the cage to stay up so he can fight wagner in it next week on tv so i imagine that's gonna be a cage match sorry because that's going to be a War Games match, right? I have a feeling it'll happen. I haven't heard anything no, official it, yet. it is. It is officially booked now? I'm almost positive. Interesting. So Kyle can put him over, I assume. But anyways, yep. we then get a hype video sort of recap as well for the men's War Game match leading up to that where it was just kind of like random teams made. Hey, we're the young guys and you're the old guys, so let's fight. That, that was literally the only criteria. And we've got a mixture of heels and baby faces all over the place, so it's kind of an odd setup for this match. It really is. But anyways, um, Gargano starts out for the 1.0 team, or what were they calling them? Black, the black and, and yellow or whatever, black, black and, gold. and gold. And Carmelo Hayes starts for 2.0. Again, I think that's a smart. Gargano can wrestle forever and is fantastic. And of the... New crop, right? Carmelo Hayes, I Which would begs say, the is, question, is the question. Why not put them in the ladder match? But right, they chose stupid Braun Breaker. He's pretty good too. I, I prefer Hayes, but I don't think Breaker's bad. Uh, holds encounters to start this match, and then we get a cage-assisted arm drag and a head kick by Gargano for the first real advantage. After a couple of minutes of them sort of grappling to no advantage, we get a slingshot spear by Gargano. After each man dodges the other's moves briefly, they both head up top, and Gargano rams Carmelo Hayes' head into the cage and hits a really nice sunset flip power bomb. Waller enters next for the 2.0, and he calls on Gargano, who obliges him. 
but gets uh, a DDT countered into a Waller vertical suplex, a backbreaker then by a Grayson Waller, a fireman's carry counter into a Hurricane Rana by Gargano, but the numbers game gets to him, and he's getting stomped down by Waller and Hayes at this point. Gargano hits a neckbreaker to Waller and forces Waller to DDT Hayes sort of in the process there. Um, then we get Trick Williams, right? He throws a chair into the cage, like launches it over the wall of the cage and actually almost hits Waller with it. He did say watch out though, so I don't know. It was kind of <laughs> weird. Um, Trick starts to climb the cage, but Gargano uses the chair to sort of smash him from the inside and knock him off the cage. And then Trick was done trying after that. You noted, right? Yeah. Like, it that's like... it. Tried once. Can't do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, Gargano is run into the cage and now he's bloody as Pete Dunn is next to head into the ring for the old guys. Peter Dunn. Dunn's on fire, takes out both heels, ending with an X-plex to Hayes that drops him on top of Waller in the process. Dunn is then sort of bending Waller's fingers through the cage as he's known for working on the fingers, but now he's wrapping them through the cage for added pain, I guess. Added pain. We get a German suplex to Carmelo Hayes by Pete Dunn before Dunn and Gar- Gargano hit stereo offense leading to Gargano escapes. I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah, a little bit of them sort of being in sync felt strange. Right. Kind of out of nowhere. So they put both of the 2.0 members in a Gargano escape simultaneously. Is that a foreshadowing for an RKO? Waller hits cutters to Dunn and Gargano as D'Angelo, Tony D'Angelo, enters next and doesn't do much, frankly. Uh, Trick and D'Angelo put two tables and other weapons into the ring as Carmelo Hayes chokes Gargano with the kendo stick. Williams goes back under the ring to get some more stuff, but Dexter Loomis pops out from under the ring, and Trick sort of retreats up the ramp, as this was Dexter Loomis's spot on the show, and then he's not seen again, right? Basically, I think he sort of, a, he and Gargano exchange a look, and then Loomis is kind of gone. Uh, D'Angelo uses a chain that came from somewhere. Maybe that was in the duffel bag from the women's match, because I still don't remember what <laughs> was in the duffel bag for the women's match. But D'Angelo uses a chain to lock the cage door, and then the 2.0 crew beat down Gargano and Dunn. L.A. Knight is out next, but the door is locked. So he just simply scales the wall of the cage, enters, and takes out every member of 2.0, including slamming D'Angelo into Waller. We get a trash can over Waller's head, and Knight hits him with a kendo stick and a trash can lit at the same time before a low drop kick to Waller in the can in the corner. The refs get bolt cutters, and it looks like they're going to cut the chain as Pete Dunn is crushing Waller's fingers with the trash can in the ring. Dunn drives the end of the kendo stick into Waller's face as Braun Breaker enters next after helping the referees cut the chain eventually. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. He, he struggled it a little bit. me of Heyman with the... Wasn't quite that bad. Because that was like atrocious. But yeah, this took a little bit more time than they definitely intended. But he eventually cuts the chain and gets in the ring. So obviously Braun Breaker, who is one of the main focuses of the new 2.0 he destroys everyone immediately until he catches an insiguri by pete dunn that slows him down breaker then hits a belly to belly to dunn and a press slam to gargano onto the other 1.0 members uh the 2.0 beat down 1.0 and hayes runs dunn into a table that was sort of on its side against the ropes Champa's the last one to enter. He is. It's, I almost forget he's the champion at this point somehow, right? He's just kind of like another guy on the yeah, team. Yeah, I do, definitely. So he's the last to enter. He takes a kendo stick to all of the members of 2.0 and runs them into the cage walls. We get a trash can lid attack to each of the 2.0 in the corners. Carmelo Hayes recovers. He starts to beat down Champa before taking a crutch to the back from Gargano as the crowd chants for DIY because it's sort of Champa and 
uh, Gargano together again. So they actually do work together to take out the 2.0 guys until Braun Breaker catches Gargano, slams him onto Champa. Dunn is then lawn darted into the cage wall and 2.0 beat on the veterans a bit more here. All of the veterans are down between the ring sort of thing and Dunn sort of cracks a small smile and the veterans kind of fire up and take out the 2.0 and stand tall momentarily. Hayes is lawn darted by Gargano into a trash can that's being held by Pete Dunn. I thought that looked really nice. And then Knight hits a German suplex to Waller off the top through a table as Champa nearly... So Champa was sort of laid out on the table, right? And then Nate German... Uh, Nate? Knight um, hits a German suplex to Waller, sends him through the table as Champa rolls off the table at the last second. We get a Tower of Doom spot by the 2.0 crew, and an but then there's an instant BFT to Carmelo Hayes by LA Knight for a near fall. Champa hits an air raid crash from the second rope to Breaker onto a trash can. That looked really painful because he kind of hit it and on the I base of the can. And I could see some of the sharpness after. Like yeah. that's the thing, right? Once it like, like that. That's what I'm talking about. That was a good trash can impact. That looked you know pretty what I mean? brutal. Like that. That's what I like to see. Yep. Um, speaking of nice impact, D'Angelo stretches Knight across the table. Waller hits a huge elbow drop tonight through the table, right? And the table just, like, exploded, basically, and broke perfectly. Um, that looked really nice. Yeah, like, nice. The, the pieces just, like, flew. Yeah. Uh, Pete Dunn takes a kendo stick to Hayes and stomps on his hand. Tony D'Angelo attacks Dunn up top with a crowbar and rips out Dunn's mouth guard and then hits a twisting neckbreaker off the top using the uh, crowbar. It actually looked pretty cool, though. I thought that was about the best thing I've seen uh, Tony D'Angelo do so far. Yeah, but the mouth guard was disrespectful. And then we get a simultaneous Willow's Bell and one final beat to Breaker and Waller by um, Champa and Gargano, obviously. And then they do indulge the crowd and hit their DIY combo kick to Braun Breaker. I thought that looked awesome. I, I, I still like that move. And it's it would just, finish it things, right? They pin Breaker, but Carmelo Hayes pulls the referee off uh, out of the way so he can't make the count. Hayes lands a thumb to the eye of Champa and a low blow to Gargano. Champa goes for his fairy tale ending to Carmelo Hayes, but Breaker hits a huge running spear on Champa through a table. Breaker then hits his press slam on Champa for the pinfall, and this one ends at 38 minutes and 12 seconds. Braun Breaker pinning Tommaso Champa. Um, and the show quickly kind of ends, right? They did not run much after the pinfall as 2.0 are standing tall yeah, and the they, veterans they are left Yeah, they do it like line. they used to. And what did you think of this main event? Um, while it wasn't one of my favorite War Games matches, it was quite a good one. I thought so too. Um, it had its fair share of notable and even maybe memorable spots. And everyone got at least one moment to shine. Uh, they played to the strengths of the match and hid the weaknesses and it worked out well specifically like I think you're D'Angelo. right that's a nice way of saying it and even breaker didn't like d'angelo didn't do much at all right breaker didn't like look as pooey um the diy reunion bit was cool and from that to bringing back uh his old theme which they did do for they gargano did. yep and i noticed his nxt uh it like um his gear was basically like an nxt gear collage for him right like which i mean it's just it's clearer than ever that he's going but what a great send-off for him yep he, he got to look good. He put over someone else, which is the thing. And he finally made it to a War Games match. He, he also put like this thing on Instagram. I showed you the logo. It's like yeah. just a combination of a bunch of logos from like his ring attire. I thought that was a really cool thing to do for his last. It is weird that this thing. was his first War Games match, right? Cause he's he been... was supposed to be in 2019, but remember he got injured because right. I think Balor hit that 1916 on the end of the ramp. Right. 
And then Balor ended up facing Riddle. And remember, Kevin Owens was a surprise entrant that year. Yeah, because he's been just a fixture of NXT, right? But never in a war games until this year. Right. Yeah, he's just kind of like, I feel like he's always been one of the top guys, but I never really like think about who's the the guy for NXT, but it's probably him. Yeah. And I, would, I wouldn't say champ, but like he had the weight built to Mr. NXT. I'm like, nah, bro, it's Gargano. <laughs> I guess so. Um, uh, I, I, while I don't love two team 2.0 winning i can't say this was in any way no a surprise a good main event to cap out the show though yeah i thought this was a really good match as well with a few very memorable spots and a satisfying little diy reunion for a bit at the end just a nice little uh gift for the crowd i guess the veterans looked really good as i expected them to and i thought that of the young group waller and hayes did a really good job for 2.0 which like you I s- would expect from that group because they're too. they're the best ones of that group. Uh, and they actually have some experience wrestling, right? D'Angelo wasn't asked to do very much, which is smart. And I thought he filled his role well here. And he got one nice spot with the crowbar neckbreaker off the top. Looked cool, right? I mean, I don't know why he had a crowbar. I don't know how he got a crowbar, but it was good, yeah. This match was very long for sure, pushing 40 minutes. But I have to say I was entertained uh, almost throughout. It didn't feel that long to me. I remember one brief lull at one point. I, I don't remember. It was just before somebody was entering where everyone just kind of paired off and was kind of weakly brawling. But other than that, it was pretty much nonstop action. I thought it was about as good as I would have expected from these guys in a match. Um, they delivered a really good main event, and the match was better than the build for sure, right? Um, and the somewhat random creation of the teams. Because if, if you forgive that and you be. just look at the match kind of out of context, it was a really good match. And I thought a very good main event to this pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh, overall thoughts and a letter grade, sir? Um. So I thought most of the show was surprisingly strong, but it had some low points as well. I thought the opener um, was way better than I thought. Other than a few complaints, it was well done and pretty entertaining. Uh, the tag time match also over-delivered and was very enjoyable, and the aftermath was, made me chuckle. Um, the hair versus hair match and cruiserweight time match were both just okay. Felt like filler matches on the card because they couldn't meet the five-match card otherwise. And the main event was really strong, had some great spots, put over NXT 2.0, and further killing NXT OG, but at least made everyone look good. It feels like a good send-off for Gargano. And... So you'd think, oh yeah, this is a good show, everything's good, right? But this, for me, despite this being a good show, it changes nothing for me. All this proved was that I was right about NXT, and they showed its weekly flaws further. The show excelled when they allowed some of the performers to go out there and wrestle a good match. Exactly. And when they were actually given the time to do it, they did do that. And when stupid segments were taken out of the picture and storylines could be forgotten, the show excelled. Only when matches felt like TV matches, like the Cruiserweight title match and the Hair vs. Hair match, and when TV segment reruns were on the show, did it feel like a slog. So yeah, I liked it overall, but it doesn't make me want to go back in the slightest, because <laughs> it just... it. It further proves why I'm not watching it, really. Right, because what you like about NXT is the wrestling, and that's not what you're and getting on the weekly shows. And that's what this was for the most part. Right, that's what this was, but that's not what you're getting on Tuesdays. This was good, but it shone a light on all the things that make the weekly shows suck. And as good as this was, it will never be a good takeover show. It will never be any of those for me. No. I'll give it a B, but I'm still out on the show. Right. They, um, they broke me. <laughs> I thought the biggest minus on this show was all of the segments that were repeated from NXT TV. I think there was like the the one was the Jiro set that second Jiro segment, but that was just Stupid. something else. And then it was just like three or four things in a row that I've already seen because I watched the TV show. But again, I imagine they were just there were new people hoping there were new people watching and they were gonna catch them up on what was Maybe get them interested on the weekly show. I don't know. As someone who's been watching the weekly shows, I found this really repetitive and annoying. Outside of that, I would say I enjoyed three of the five matches. 
and I found the other two to be decent. Like, I don't think there was anything bad, necessarily. Uh, the opening women's War Games match over-delivered was pretty fun by the end. The tag team title match was good, with the second half, I thought, being really strong. And then the lull in the show clearly came with the Grimes-Hudson-Gacy-Strong uh, matches that were fine, but a notch or two below pay-per-view quality stuff, in my opinion. The main event was really good. Um, War Games matches continue to be consistently entertaining, right? It's a concept that... Even though I'm not a huge weapons guy, but I seem to really enjoy War Games matches. Um, NXT's weekly show is tough to watch right now, so it's really nice, nice to see that they can still mostly deliver when it comes to a pay-per-view. Uh, this was a fairly quick three hours or so, somewhere around there, and I think that it earned a very solid B as well. I went with the same grade as you. Not like a takeover by any means, mostly due to like the storylines and builds leading into this because there's been stuff on takeover where i'm dying to see it because of the story they're telling right that was not the case on anything here i don't think um, but this was a solid show nonetheless and like you're saying when nxt focuses on wrestling and not this ridiculous one-dimensional characters get time to do it too and juvenile storytelling they can put on a good show and that's nice to know it's just that's not what that's they're not doing week happen. to week they're just sort of um basically auditioning people and having them learn their trade on television right while we if watch i was it. maybe a little more like gullible or younger or something right. maybe i believe oh that's gonna get better but it I, might i like, know they that they're just gonna keep doing what they're doing and, and the weekly show could get better as these people i'm learn. surprised they didn't stuff this match with all the crappy new stars that they've made or right, stuff the card sorry right now it's more of the writing right like i know a lot of these talent are new and young and whatever but you're giving them this one defining characteristic and, and i just don't much... think they should be learning on the job right well i mean it's not their fault it's televised i i you know what i mean they've got a yeah, tv but contract I, just, so. I think then they should make a better yeah choice but anyways i so bees from both of us a solid show i would say of anything they i like the main event and maybe the tag team match like the the women's war games match was good i don't think it was amazing but it was solid i would say the main event was probably my highlight of the of the show yeah all right, so that's going to, I guess, bring us to the end of talking about NXT War Games 2021. We will definitely be back on Saturday with episode 73. I would also dock points for this being the only War Games without Undisputed Era. I guess. I, it doesn't bother me that much, but it would bother you. So I we'll like be back that. Saturday for episode 73, where we'll talk about a whole bunch of wrestling stuff. So we hope that you can join us for that. And until then, take care. <laughs>